and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here with us this morning. Kids are going to be up with us. And then at the after worship, we'll take them on downstairs to teach them about Jesus. But let's just worship our Lord who is worthy of our praise this morning together. Spirit come. 
these stories to my kids that they may see your faithfulness. May they not forget the goodness of God. I can't believe how good the Lord is. I can't believe how good the Lord is. I can't believe how good the Lord is. He's been good to me. to their promised land. But remember, remember that when he parted the sea, they walked on dry land. It wasn't wet. They didn't have to push their, their animals through it. It was dry. And so whatever path you're on right now, wherever you are on your journey, he is making the way doable. He's not gonna make it where it's impossible to do. And I don't know if that means something to someone, but there is dry land that he has made a way that is dry, that it is doable, that you can make it through the hard time that you're in right now. But don't forget to give him praise. Don't forget that he sent a cloud by day and a fire by night so you wouldn't lose your way. He came for you. He sees you and you are on the way to where he wants you to go. Don't leave the path. If they would have left the path, they would have been in water. They had to go the way that he made for them. There was no turning back. There was the enemy behind them. Keep pushing through. Keep walking through. He has you. Amen.
How about we just, let's just raise our hands up for a minute and worship him. We praise you today, Jesus. And we worship you, Lord. You are our Savior. You are all that we need. Above you, there is nobody else, no one else, no thing, nothing out there. Nothing can replace you. And we worship you today. And we praise you today. And we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you all of ourselves. We worship you, Jesus. Your name is to be praised. High above, to be praised. Oh, Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, be with us today. Be in our midst. Be with us in a tangible way today. We thank you, Jesus, for all the things that you've done, your, your mercy, your grace, and your forgiveness. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for your power and your freedom. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We praise you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. partake of communion together this morning at this time. This is the table of the Lord. It's, it's sacred. We can think this is ordinary time, ordinary space, but really it's sacred time and sacred space because we're here with the presence of God, but also partaking of one of the couple things that Jesus actually commanded us to do. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So as you come today uh, to, to get the elements and take them back to your seat, then we do it with an attitude in our heart of remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. His work of, of taking our sins into his body, paying the wage of sin, which is, which is death for our salvation, for our forgiveness. And in it that we stand. So if you would this morning, if you could come out to the center aisles and, and take the elements and head back to your seat, we'll partake of them together in just a moment. If you have young kids with you, if you want to take a moment and talk to them about it, you can do so. Our kids are in with us for worship this morning. Moment of an explanation of why we do the things that we do.
I don't know your, your, your story, but maybe this is sort of new to you. But maybe you've, you've partaken of communion more times than you can remember. This never loses its significance, ever. That we, we proclaim, as the scriptures say, we proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes again. Because we believe that Christ has died, but then we also believe that Christ has risen. And we stand in our great hope is that we believe that Christ is coming again. Amen. And this does not lose its significance no matter how often we take it because of what this means. And we proclaim it. We proclaim his death because we believe that he's going to return and not just judge the living and the dead, but he's going to make all things new. Amen. For this represents the body of Jesus, which was bruised and mocked and tortured and ultimately crucified for us. It's called substitutionary atonement. In other words, in our place, our substitute. For each person would face the penalty of sin. But the penalty of sin, that is death, that Jesus paid that price for us so we can have eternal life in him. And certainly then the cup represents the blood of Jesus, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible says in, in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And we see this big picture fulfillment of Old Testament law and sacrifice in Jesus because he fulfills it. But in it we have our salvation. In it we have new life. In it we have ultimately everlasting life. And that's why we partake consistently a reminder of what this means. So we thank you, Lord, for taking our place. Your body that was crucified on that cross, that you willingly went to the cross in purpose. You became obedient to death because of the love of God that you came into our world. so we can be set free. And we thank you for death on that cross in our place. Let's partake of the bread together. And Lord, this cup of, of your blood shed for us. It's a fulfillment of, of what the, John the Baptist cried when he saw you. Look, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God, the one who will give himself for us to take away the sin of the world. We thank you for the shedding of your blood. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you that we're no longer in condemnation for our sin. We made righteous in you. We thank you, Lord. Partake of the
cup together. Just, just for a moment, we'll just have a little more worship after this. Just for a moment, I want you to reflect on your own life of what this means to you. I, I know for me it's a reflection of, of not just the forgiveness of sins, but it shows the great love of God. It's the patience that he has for me. It's the new life that he's always putting in front of me. I, I thank him for it. So just, just a moment, just reflect on what this means to you, what Jesus has done for you. Okay, let's, let's do that. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.
Morning. It's good to have you today. I know they're checking kids in in the kids' church, so we'll get going in just a second. But if you have tithe and offering, you can prepare that. Um, offering envelopes from the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around while the ushers will help you out. But it is good to have you. So I'm going to give them a second to get all their kids checked in and get back up here. So uh, a couple quick announcements while they're doing that. If, if you're doing the Midwest 
uh, shooting uh, outing on November the 12th at the, at, the, at the range, see Tom. He's back at the soundboard today. See him at the church today. He's got some updated information for you, but that date was moved to November 12th. Um, so make sure you're aware of that. And also, uh, we'll do some more announcements after offering, but just give everybody a second to get back up from checking their kids in. It's a little feedback, Tom. Thank you. Um, the Sycamore House, that fundraiser that Mike had announced not long ago, don't forget the, the bowling fundraising event is November the 5th from 2 to 5 p.m. It's 30 bucks a couple, and, and of course proceeds from that night go to the Sycamore House, and then we are, as a church, they're going to do this this week, some of the ladies are on this, putting together uh, one of the baskets that will get auctioned for the Sycamore House at, at uh, I believe it's also at that time. So anyways, uh, don't forget about the uh, bowling fundraiser for them. Again, November 5th from 2 to 5. All right, tithe and offering if you have something. Uh, you know, I believe, I believe um, that as God is our provider, that as we respond to his provision in our giving, it just affirmed not only who he is, but in a way, it, it, it's saying, God, you are never going to allow my life not to have this day my daily bread. Now, how many of you have ever been through a time when you would consider, man, we struggled financially a little bit? Anybody? But, but you know what? God's faithfulness doesn't mean we never go through things, but God's faithfulness means we get through things. And there, there were times in our life where we weren't necessarily making a lot of money. My, my, uh, my first job as a youth pastor was not paid. I was a volunteer. I did it for free because I was such a good guy. No, it was because <laughs> it wasn't because of that because they weren't paying me. I not turned into a full-time job, but I was framing houses, which a good job, a steady job, but I wasn't making a ton of money. And, and the job she had, she wasn't making a ton of money, but we had great insurance. Yeah, that was one benefit to the whole thing. But we never were without. But we certainly weren't living, you know, eating out all the time with the nicest house and, and the nicest cars. It, it, life's not about that anyways. But it was, was living in what God was leading us to at those times and in those moments and never being without the provision we needed. Amen. And that's what it means to live in God and what he's doing in our lives in, in provision and direction and uh, the purpose of life, that God is with us in all those things, even in the times that we may struggle a little bit. So especially, as we know, the last couple years coming out of, uh, of COVID and all that was going on, that inflation's up and gas is up and all the, and it seems like things may be tighter for people and some people may struggle, but understand that God is going to see you through. You believe that? God's provision is not connected to what's happening in the world, but he stands apart from it. I believe that. Therefore, in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our situations, God will always do what he needs to do to see us through. And I can say that because of what I've experienced in life. And also looking forward in life, I have no worries about this day, my daily bread. Not because I don't, I don't think we may never go through something, but just because I believe 
in God. You believe in him and you believe that he looks out for you, amen. So our giving is a testimony to that belief. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you do provide. We thank you that this day our daily bread is in our lives and is going forward, Lord. And I thank you that you're looking out for us, as the scriptures say. We don't have to worry about the things that everybody else chases after. We seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and all these things then will be added unto us. And we thank you for that in who you are. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Bring it down if you have it. Let me finish out uh, our announcements before we get into the word today. Uh, this coming Friday is our kids slash youth event uh, from 5.30 to 8, all ages, and from 8 o'clock on, uh, the rest of the evenings are locked in for the 5th through 12th grade. So uh, there's a sign-up sheet at the back for that if you're interested in being a part of it. That way they know who's coming. If you're interested in helping and, and, and spending some time with our wonderful kids, uh, you can see Kenzie about that or Amanda back there, okay? So uh, that's going to be something fun this coming week. And uh, don't forget, we've got lots of small groups happening. Um, uh, let's see what's going on with our small groups. So we've got a couple ladies groups meeting, a guys group that meets. Uh, the ladies, some of the ladies small groups are starting a, a, a new topic called uh, Forgiving When You Can't Forget. That's one topic, small groups that are happening. Another ladies group is still in the book of Esther. So lots of things happening on off-service time small groups. So if you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet back there, and we'll let you know when the groups meet and connect you up with some leaders. So, all right, if you've got your Bibles, the book of Mark, chapter number 5. Continuing talking about encounters with Jesus. Oh, yes, Joy Fellowship. I'm always bad at this announcement because they tell me right before service and I forget. Joy Fellowship is meeting next Sunday, 5 o'clock right here. If you want to know about Joy Fellowship, another one of our small groups uh, that meets, it is for uh, the older uh, folks in our church, but they don't care. Whoever comes is welcome. Uh, it's a carry-in. They enjoy time together with food and all that kind of stuff. They do a little time in the Word. So that's 5 o'clock next Sunday night. They meet down in uh, the basement here. So see Bill and Patsy if you have questions about that. Okay. Sorry about that. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. Encounters with Jesus. I believe that Jesus is uh, intimately personal with each one of us. Do you believe that? And I believe that if we pay attention to what he is up to, we will encounter him in our life. And an encounter with Jesus, very personal, very much in a way that he meets us right where we're at and constantly is taking us, leading us, guiding us into uh, in the way which we should go. He does not leave us to walk life aimlessly. Okay? But God, in a very personal way, he leads us, he guides us, he directs us. <coughs> Excuse me. And part of that is that we have encounters with him, and these encounters have the possibility of absolutely, positively changing your life. How many of you can tell a story about an encounter you've had with God, with Jesus, that changed your life. Let me see. Anybody who's got stories like that? Yeah. And, and we can live a life that is, we're open. We want to experience him in a way that brings the possibility of change. I, I don't want to believe in a God and claim to be a Christian 
but then have no actual interaction with him. Why believe in a God that's so powerful if you don't interact with him in that way? You see what I'm getting at? When the Bible says the Holy Spirit's been sent to us in a very personal, intimate way, why would I believe in that, but then not live a life for the possibility of encountering him in a very personal and real and tangible way? Jesus is real. Isn't that right? I mean, we say, well, yeah, well, Jesus is real, but, but he's real enough, personal enough, that I can experience him in that kind of way. He's there, and he's with you, and he's for you, and there's nothing that can separate you from him, but he's with us. Amen. So Mark chapter 5, we find an encounter somebody has with Jesus. Very interesting story. It's one of the more interesting stories in the gospel, in my opinion. But let, let's read it. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. In, in other words, this man was literally possessed by a demonic spirit. In verse 3, it says, He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out in a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, not, you by God, not to torment me. For he was saying to him, or Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? Directly interacting with this unclean spirit. And he replied, the spirit replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Uh, this, this account in the, in, in the Gospel of Luke, it says there, don't send me into the abyss or the place of judgment. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged Jesus, saying, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. And they rushed down a steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with him. But he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends 
and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how his mercy has been had on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. What a story. Here, here is a man that it doesn't say why, doesn't say how, but this man came to a place in his life that he was possessed by an unclean spirit or spirits that were residing in him and absolutely controlling him. Uh, it seems that they gave him some sort of strength. He, he began uh, cutting himself all the time, crying out all the time. Um, th this is absolutely positively anti-life. You know what I mean? Th these spirits were, were destructive to this man's life. And apparently, he had been this way for a long period of time. He lived among the tombs. In other words, there were probably caves that were cut out, used as tombs, okay? He lived among these caves, among these tombs. That's very symbolic. It's an analogy for the state of his life, that he was living in death. He was alive, but not alive, right? Controlled by these spirits. This man was absolutely an outcast. Most likely, he was driven there. They, they tried to shackle him. They tried to chain him. It didn't work. He was out of control. So they probably drove him out to this place where he's living and residing among these tombs. This was his identity. You get that? This is who he was. It's how people saw him. This guy had a reputation, and it wasn't a good one. He became an outcast, a fringe of the society, of the people of that area. But by the way, he wasn't just an outcast. This guy was a freak. He probably struck fear in other people. Again, they tried to bind him. They could not. They probably consistently heard him crying out in the distance. You know how sometimes sound can travel, depending on the wind and things. They probably could hear him from time to time crying out. See... The demons, through this man, when Jesus come, they recognized him. And they recognized his authority. Notice when the man comes to Jesus, he falls down at the feet of Jesus, literally in front of him. That, that's a sign of authority. They, they, they come to Jesus, they throw the man down in front of Jesus, and then they start begging Jesus, don't send us out of here. Pretty amazing. They already recognized that of the, the authority structure in this situation, they were below him. You always remember that. We've been talking about this on Wednesdays with this armor of God we've been talking about. All things under the authority of Jesus. There is nothing you can face in this world that is not under his authority. Amen. And they recognize this. They throw themselves down at his feet. Here's something I want you to know. Here, here's something we're going to put up on the screen. To encounter Jesus is to encounter his power. Because in him is all authority. And you can encounter him in such a way that you can encounter his power as this man is, is finding out. 
And amazingly, these unclean spirits, they wanted mercy from him. They, they said, don't torture us. You know, don't send us into a place of judgment. Now, Jesus interacts with this, this spirit, and he asks, what's your name? This, this is kind of important here because it brings out uh, something I want you to understand. But they replied, our name is Legion. Now, if you're thinking of that day, Roman Legion was anywhere from four to 6,000 soldiers. There were a lot of unclean spirits in this guy. And if you want to talk about somebody in a place of life that seemed like it was the most bleak it could be, be demon-possessed by thousands of demons. You think about that. That had so much control that they controlled him. Changed who he was. Changed his identity. Changed his reputation. Caused him to cut himself and scream. They couldn't, they couldn't even bind the man. Then they cast him out of society. This, this guy was in a spot where his life was being lost in control of the enemy. He is an example of literally somebody who is lost in the darkness. And if you want to find an example in the Bible, I mean, everybody who doesn't have Jesus is in the darkness, right? But this guy is an example of somebody literally that is lost in the darkness. But I want you to know something. Jesus asked the name of what was residing inside of him. He gets legion in response. What Jesus did right there was he identified the issue and noticed that he is saying, but this is not who the man is. In other words, this man in identity could be separated from what had bound him, oppressed him, and possessed him. This man in identity could be separated from something that controlled his life. You see what I'm getting at? This man had an identity separate from Legion. You see that? That is the darkness that we are in. When people are lost in the darkness, they have an identity that can be separated from how they are lost and how they are bound and how they are addicted and the things that seemingly control your life. And an encounter with Jesus is an encounter with his power to bring that separation. Amen. I believe that. Again, listen. Jesus often is with those we don't think he would generally be with. Isn't that right? We often find Jesus with the outcasts of society. You know that? We think Jesus would have saw this guy, oh man, mess, you know, this, this guy's got some problems, you know, I'm going to go hang out with the religious people because their life is cleaned up. You know, G no, Jesus literally went and saw this guy. He didn't turn away from him, but welcomed him to himself and dealt with the problem. Jesus is with those who need him. Jesus is with those who need him. You always remember that about Jesus. Never forget that about Jesus. Jesus is with those who need him. Now, as we're, we're seeing here, 
What Jesus does with this man kind of brings out the second thing I want you to know. To encounter Jesus is to find freedom no matter how bleak it is. To encounter Jesus is to experience him in such a way that you can find freedom no matter how bleak it is. And obviously for this man, this gentleman, his situation was absolutely bleak. His life was being destroyed. But Jesus gives him freedom. Now, Jesus, as we see in the story, he allows these unclean spirits to leave him and, and, and go into a herd of pigs. Now, obviously, as we know by Jewish law, the, the Jewish people did not eat uh, pigs. It's unclean. They're unclean animals. Obviously, this was a Gentile situation. They had a herd of pigs. There, there, was, there was somebody uh, uh, keeping them. They, they were for financial gain. So this, this is a Gentile situation. But the unclean spirits go into, by Jewish law, an unclean animal. There's an analogy there. And the pigs rush down a steep bank, and they drown themselves in the sea, in the lake, right? Again, symbolic of the power of Jesus, right, can take what is unclean, and instead of what's unclean destroying you, allow it to destroy itself. That's what Jesus does. And what I love about this, this is what's so great about this is, when people start to come, word spreads about what happened, People are showing up. I love, let's, let's go back. Let me find this again. Let's see what, what verse we're at here. Verse number 15. Mark 5, 15. I love this so much right here. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, obviously no more, Watch this. He's sitting there. He's peaceful. Notice in what it says. He's not just sitting there, but uh, he's got his clothes on. He's no longer exposed. It says that he is in his right mind and no longer controlled and bound. I love it, I love it. After this experience, he's literally sitting there in peace. He's fully clothed back, uh, with his clothes back on. He's completely back in his right mind because that's what Jesus does. It doesn't matter how bleak the situation is, you can encounter him and his power in such a way to free you from whatever binds you, from whatever oppresses you, from whatever controls you, whatever is bringing anti-life to you who replace it with life. That's the Jesus that we serve. I believe in that kind of power. I believe he does that work on all levels in our life. Jesus is about bringing life to you. In other words, in that moment, in that moment, we, we have this man who is so out of control, he meets Jesus, the power of God touches him, and all of a sudden it's like Psalm 23 happens to this man right there in the spot. He led him beside green pastures, to quiet waters, and he absolutely restored his soul with one touch. That's what Jesus does. 
how is it, how is it possible that somebody bound in drug addiction can be free? Because an encounter with Jesus is to encounter his power. How is it when somebody's got a problem with alcohol? How is it they can be set free from their issue with alcohol? Because the power of Jesus can set you free. How is it that somebody bound in pornography can be set free? Because the power of Jesus can set you free. How is it somebody is bound in, in constant anxiety and worry and depression? I believe that Jesus can set you free. You, you can plug in one of a hundred scenarios of things that plague our society. I believe that Jesus is the answer. Not, not the other things we do don't contribute to, to freedom, but Jesus is the answer. Amen. And we look to him that he can show up in such a way to bring peace to your life. He can show up in such a way that you're no longer exposed. He can show up in such a way that you're no longer controlled by things out here. Do you know you can be controlled by people's opinions? Do you know that? You don't need to be. You, you can be controlled by the worry of finances, constantly worried about money and what's, you don't need to be. You can be controlled by a lot of things. But it's Jesus who brings peace. It's Jesus who brings freedom. If you let him and allow him, those things have to flee. A sign of the kingdom of God that darkness is constantly being driven out. It's a sign of the kingdom. And the things that are not of him, that try to occupy space in your life, can be driven out. Then he is the one who fills you. He is the one that overflows in your life. That is why when you see things in the Bible that, that you think, this makes no sense. Uh, James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. What are you talking about? Why would I have joy when I'm facing trials? Why? Because Jesus is with you. Jesus is more than enough. Even for a guy that was literally possessed by a legion of devils. Not too strong for Jesus. They, they, ha they have to Submit to his authority. Amen. Jesus is more than enough. He has everything that you need. This, this constantly, uh, this story, whenever I read it, it always constantly brings me back to Matthew chapter 11. Everybody go there. Matthew chapter 11. And verse 28. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is what Jesus did for that man. You know that? That is exactly the description of the things that God does for us when we allow ourselves to be given the life that he is giving us. Life given that restores the havoc wreaked by the enemy. That's the power of Jesus. Now, here's what I know. There may be some of you sitting here that you've had a struggle for a very long time. You know, you aren't possessed by devils, but maybe you have a struggle. Maybe there's something that seems like, I just can't get through this. Constant. Pops up. Rears its head when it wants to. And it seems like you just can't deal with it, you can't get rid of it, it's just there. I believe that Jesus, in his power, can free you. That you do not have to live a life constantly under whatever that is. That he can give you rest. Take off. And it's really... When, you, when you're aware of this stuff, it's a heavy burden that you feel. Heaviness. That he can take this heaviness off you and give him the yoke that is of him. In other words, he joins you with him, a yoke, together. And in that, he carries the load of it. Because the part you're carrying is easy, and it's light, and it's full of life. And he leads you forward in how to live in the freedom that he's given you. And you'll find yourself just like that guy. You're going to find yourself, normally when he'd have been there cutting himself, yelling out, outcast, the guy all of a sudden found himself sitting there peaceful, clothed, and in his right mind. So much that, that he said, I want to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Matter of fact, go back to the people that were your friends and go tell them about what is happening here. And he did, and it was, it was just marveling in, in the Decapolis of the wonder of this changed man because all of a sudden, his reputation is being absolutely transformed. He is a new person, evident to those that knew him. You ever know somebody that their reputation was a certain thing. And they had a life change. Something, something happened, and they became a different person. And you just went, what? Yeah, you know somebody like that? You ever see overcome something? You're just like, what? In the, this is a brand new person. My goodness, you're happy for him. It's a good thing. Yeah, imagine this guy. My goodness. The testimony of his heart because of the power of Jesus. I want you to know something. That wasn't hard. This, this wasn't a 10-hour exorcism like you see in the movies. Right? Do all this. It wasn't like this long, drawn. Jesus did come out and say, hey, don't send us to the abyss. Okay, go to the pigs. And they, the power of Jesus is absolute. And you can encounter that in your life in that way. Amen. I believe that.
So cast your cares upon him. Because he does care for you. Cast upon him your struggles. Because he cares for you. Cast your cares upon him because all authority and power is underneath him. Cast your care upon him because an encounter with him can change your life. Amen? Let's stand up. We'll close out today. Okay, as I close, I would, just for a moment, I want you to think, if you're one of those sitting, you're, you're in the room today, and you've had a struggle, here, here's what I, I guarantee it, I promise it, You've cast your care upon him before. It's not like, oh, man, I didn't know I could do that. This is the first time I'm going to do that. I, I promise you, most likely, you've cast your care upon him before. I would encourage you to cast it again as we're closing out today. And let's see what Jesus can do. Let's see what he can do. You, you know what? I don't have to vouch for him, really. I don't have to defend God. He's a big boy. He defends himself. All I am is a testimony to what the scripture says. That's what we're doing here today. But I believe he wants to, he cares, I believe he will. So cast your struggle, cast what is binding you, cast what gives you worry. Give it to him. Cast it from yourself. You, you, you ever go fishing? How I many you like to fish? When you cast the lure out there, whoosh, I mean, you throw it. You're, get, you're getting, if you're out somewhere, you, you, you cast it from, that's, cast your cares to him. Give it. Let him grab hold of it and take it. Let's see what he'll do. Amen? Lord, Lord, we thank you. For your mercy, we thank you for your caring for us, and we thank you for your power. No matter how bleak it looks, Lord, there is nothing too big for you. So whatever it is, Lord, that, that people are, are giving over to you right now, I pray that you meet them there and your power touches them, and they begin to walk in a freedom of who you are. A changing of identity, a changing, a transformation of reputation. That this thing that you're, you're taking and, and removing, that's not who they are. But a brand new identity in who you say they are is their future. We thank you for your work and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, so if, if you have uh, prayer needs or you want somebody to agree with you about uh, what you were praying about, come on down. I'd love to do that. If not, Wednesday night, we'll see you back Wednesday.